Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Today, we're going to jump together into uh, the scripture out of uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to look together uh, and to, into some other things as well. And we're going to talk to you about, you know, we're in, a, we're in an unusual time. It seems like every, every year is an unusual time in its own way, but, but we are in a different time that we live in, and I want to speak to you about every human life matters. Uh, the reality is, is every human life does matter. And a human life, really, it's the peak of God's creation uh, as he went through the process of creation and when he formed, whether he formed plant life, he, he formed uh, animal life, and uh, he formed the contents of the galaxies, he did all of those things that he has done uh, by the word of his mouth. But what we understand is that human life is the climax of all of that that he has created. Uh, and we have to understand that in light of Scripture because we know that human life is something special not because we walk on two legs. There, there's other things out there that walk on two legs. I, I've seen chickens walk on two legs, uh, but uh, that doesn't mean we're the same as a chicken, you know. Uh, and uh, so there, there's some other things out there like that. We're different, we, and we're not, uh, we're not special because we eat a particular kind of food, because we eat tamales, or because we, we eat apple pie, or because we, we eat this or that. No, that, that's not what makes us special either. Uh, but, but human life is special because we are created in the image of God. That's a significant thing for us. And as we look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, this is what it says. It says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. Then He goes on to say in verse 28 these words, He says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So God didn't just create them uh, and uh, release them from his hand to do whatever they wanted. Uh, but after he created them, he, command, he gave them this command. Uh, uh, and this command to them was to be fruitful and increase in number. And he was telling them, have some kids, guys have some children, and, and uh, we see that procreation, as we see it according to Scripture, was God's plan. That was His intention. Uh, and even in Jesus' day, we saw that there were times when uh, uh, people thought that children got in the way. Uh, they fought, thought that, hey, this, uh, this uh, wasn't the greatest situation. And so when a crowd was trying to get to Jesus and bringing some kids uh, to Jesus uh, so that they could bless him, bless those children. Uh, the, the disciples kind of, they kind of uh, messed things up a little bit. They tried to uh, push them away because they're like, hey, don't bother Jesus right now. Uh, but in Luke chapter 18, verse 16, it tells us this. It says, but Jesus called the children to, to him and said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. They're important. Children matter. 
babies matter. Whether they're in the womb or whether they're in front of us and we see them face to face. Got to hold my little granddaughter yesterday. Got to hug my little grandson yesterday. What a great time to be able to do those things and, and to engage in them to thank, thank the Lord how he blesses us in so many ways. On May the 3rd, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice uh, uh, John Roberts, he confirmed the authenticity of that leaked document that came out. And I don't tend to deal with political type of things, but these are things that we uh, as Americans and followers of Jesus need to be aware of. And it was a leaked draft uh, court opinion, that's what they call it. it, would, it, oh, it this thing would overturn uh, one of the most controversial legal uh, decisions in history of the United States, which, which is Roe v. Wade. And, and if it goes through this summer, it's going to change a lot of things. And for some, they think it's this way. Some, they think it's that way. But there are some important things that we need to be aware of, and we need to stay alert, and we need to stay praying as followers of Jesus uh, because that is our responsibility. And uh, Doug Clay, who is our general superintendent with the Assemblies of God, he wrote, he wrote an article, uh, and uh, he said that after 1973, Roe v. Wade, the Roe v. Wade decision, it took only a few years, uh, it took only a few years for abortions to skyrocket to 358 abortions per 1,000 births. In 1981, uh, 1.3 million legal abortions were reported by, uh, by that year, per year, uh, or by, by the CDC, sorry. 1981, that's my generation. Now, I'm, I'm older than that, it's a little bit after, it's on the cusp of that. It's, that's the Gen X generation. And you wonder why there's so many boomers in compared to Gen X. It is a component of that. It really is. And still over 40 years later, the CDC continues to report over 600,000 a year, with only 1.5% of those, uh, those uh, abortions reportedly performed because of incest or rape. These are serious, hard statistics that we have to deal with, and, and this makes legal abortion in the United States the largest and longest ongoing massacre in the history of the United States. It is. If the Supreme Court overturns this decision uh, this year, it, it would not it would not abandon abortion uh, completely. It wouldn't, but would allow each state to determine the legality of abortion in their state. So these are some things that we are aware of, and we need to stay aware of. And to say that abortion is a controversy is it's an understatement. And even many people in different Christian fellowships, uh, they are, they're uncertain about the subject. They don't always know how to handle this situation. And because the water has been muddied over the years by different people and different organizations, and, but we need to be able to have some clear biblical thinking about life and what life really means and, and, and have some po uh, positive biblical confrontation uh, that, uh, that comes forward by the church if people are going to know the truth and know the reality of what's happening. It takes us back into the book of Psalms 139 and verse 13, and it says this, just a reminder to us. It says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew us. He recognized us even in our unformed body. That's a big thing. There's some issues that we have to consider, and I I know these are some challenging times we live in, but as followers of Jesus, we need to recognize the realities around us, and and serious followers of Jesus have to confirm that the basic issues are raised, uh, there's some basic issues raised by abortion and what comes along with it that's, first of all, you have that right to life side and the versus the right to choose side. Uh, and these really are politically charged. We understand that. There's a lot that goes into that because of the politics that goes into that. And I can leave it at that on that. But, but in the abortion debate, there is certainly a lot of heat without a lot of truth always, not a lot of information. And people say all kinds of things. Uh, they, they, you can see the slogans out there. They change, sometimes they change and different ones, but some, a, a woman has the right to do what she wants with her own body. But what about the child? That part's not listed. Women should have the right to choose. Every child should be a planned and wanted child. But we have to be careful to look behind the slogans to see if they're really based on truth. That's what's important for us. And many of the slogans are, are simply based on what people want to believe, uh, what they want to believe this or that is truth. But people choose to believe what they want to believe so they can have the kind of lifestyle they want. Even if it's not this subject, it can be something else. People tend to do that, right? They tend to say, well, this is what I believe because it allows me to do this stuff over here. Or they may say, this is what I choose to believe because it allows me to do this stuff over here. What we need to do is step back and look at the Word of God and allow the Word of God to show us truth, and it is truth. Thy Word is truth, as Scripture says, and we need to base our lives on that. And uh, so there, there are all kinds of things out there, but people choose to believe what they want to believe, and we have, we, we, maybe we've been the same way at times. I'm sure that most of us didn't grow up in faith Uh, Not all of us did, and there are those we probably all had some uh, persuasion about us and what we thought we liked was good and those kind of things. But when we we look at this subject, it, it becomes painfully evident that there are many who don't really care about the truth. It doesn't mean we shouldn't love them. That's important. Also, we see that pregnancy is often viewed as a problem to be fixed, but, it, but in God's eyes, you, you heard what the Scripture says early, early on today, uh, and what, what it is, procreation, it, it is God's deal. That's what He orchestrated. That's what He set up, and, uh, and so, and, and, but in God's eyes, it's, it's a blessing to see mankind grow. He likes population because He loves people. He likes people. Each life is important to him. Abortion has, has become a main method of birth control for many. Not all, but, but for many people. And the issue for 
the mothers of unwanted pregnancies is not whether the product of conception is really a baby. Uh, it's not usually yet. The, the issue for them is whether or not they're killing a human life. They, they just don't want to be pregnant. They don't want to carry that baby to term. They want to have an abortion. And you may say, well, it's easy for you to say you're a man, but I am a husband. In a study from uh, 2018 uh, tells us it was conducted by the CDC here in the United States. It indicated that uh, when asked their reasons for choosing an abortion, 48% of females indicated it was because they did not uh, they did not feel they could uh, be a single mom, and, for, and 73% indicated they, they could not afford to raise a child, to raise a child. I don't know that we've ever been able to afford to raise a child, but the Lord makes a way. And that's really what it comes down to. We have to have that trust. But sometimes people don't have that trust. Sometimes people don't have that faith, they, and they don't know what direction to go. Sometimes we know it's, it's the pressure uh, of the male that's involved who has selfish motives, but it's not always that. We have to understand it. Uh, not all the guys have those motives. Sometimes it's not their choice, but there is a pressure at times. It can, it can be a driving force behind the agenda for abortion as well. But the goal is to be able to have an abortion at any time, and all the propaganda surrounding it is constructed to assure that the, that, the, that goal is achieved. Women are told their babies are lumps of cells and abortions are just simply a medical procedure. But the, the, the reality is, is half-truths are what we call deceptive. They're deceptive. And they'll say it won't affect you, but most statistics will show you that they are affected once they walk through that. And is it guaranteed that they will walk through grief to some level? Sometimes families can be encouraged to have, uh, have an abortion if things don't look right medically with the baby. Oh, we know that personally, Jody and I. In some sense, we, uh, since we already had a child with Down syndrome uh, and, ra and raised him, and, and we knew the, the challenges that come along with that, it gave us a higher chances for our, for our final our youngest child to be born with a disability as well. So when the doctors were, we were monitoring the baby to look for specific markers and determine uh, if the child had Downs or not, but we, we told them ahead of time, under no circumstances, uh, no, no circumstances if the child has a disability would we abort the baby. See, we all already knew that dealing uh, with a child with Down syndrome could be very difficult. And some of you may know that. May, uh, you see one side, it may not look too uh, bad, but on the other side, it's, it's not always easy. And some of you have had your own experiences, whether it's that or another disability, another challenge in your life. And, and uh, that's just a reality. But even so, God created mankind for his pleasure. We all have purpose in his eyes, every one of us. Doesn't matter who we are, what we can do, what we can't do, we have purpose in God's view. A second thing that we need to consider is there are some truths that we need to defend. There are some truths that we, as the body of Christ, need to be able to hold on to and defend. And one is a, a un, an unborn baby is a human life scientifically. We know that, it's not even a question. 
Uh, we, we come to the reality during an abortion, more than an unformed clump of unwanted cells is removed. You see, these, these cells look very much like a little child, a human baby. They don't look like a fish or chicken or a grasshopper, but because they aren't. They are not deciding what to become simply because they cannot decide. That decision is already made. Uh, they, uh, they are not deciding it. The decision is made for the path. The path is set for who they will be and already determined. It's in their DNA. Scientists are not anxiously sta uh, standing around waiting to see what these cells become because they know. They realize it's a human child developing into the only thing it can become, which is a mature human being. It's not becoming a human. It already is a human. The doctors know it's a human. But because people have chosen to close their eyes to the truth as they worship the God of self, they justify the killing of a life under the mantle of the law of the land. That's significant. Yeah, killing is the right word. Uh, the doctor is not removing the life or he or she is killing it. People euphemistically call it terminating a pregnancy. Dr. Hillary Jones wrote in a non-Christian medical publication, she said this, she said that so complex are the biological mechanisms through which pregnancy uh, takes place that conception really is a miracle of life. And we would probably say it's a miracle of God because it's what God has put together and designed. And remember, he gave the, um, Adam and Eve, he says, hey, go out and have kids, guys. I want a whole lot of them. And every person begins with a separate single cell. And nothing new is added but oxygen and a little bit of nutrition. At three weeks, friends, at three weeks, a baby's heart begins to beat and pump blood. At six weeks, this is within the first trimester. At six weeks, a baby has brain waves that can be measured with an electroencephalogram, an EEG, and a what, what creativity on God's part to design and form such an amazing complexity into a human body. The amazing thing that God has done, it, it's amazing, it, it's interesting that though the baby in the womb is not breathing air into their lungs, the, the lungs start to breathe in and out in fluid as they develop. They receive oxygen as they need through their mom and as as the psalm says, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. An unborn baby is a human life according to Scripture. We know that. The Word of God is full of evidence of the sacredness of human life. In Genesis chapter 127, as we read, uh, it says, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He doesn't leave either one of them out. But he created them. And uh, so, and then in verse, uh, we, we understand how important that is. He says uh, in uh, 139, verse 13, it shows us that God already is at work in that unborn child. He says in 13, it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Then you even have Luke. Luke was a physician. And, and he writes the Gospel of Luke, and he also writes the book of Acts. 
and he was an investigator. When he wrote those things, he went through and verified the details. And, and he writes this in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 41, when, when Mary and Elizabeth were meeting together, and, and it says this, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that, that child was soon to be named John and responded while still in that safe place of the womb. And, and Luke there, he uses the, the Greek word for baby and, and in, in reference to John the Baptist before he was born. And they also used that same word uh, as well for that uh, child that is after birth. Uh, for children or infant. But there are actions that we have to consider as followers of Jesus. And I do want to say that maybe you have walked through this path yourself. There is forgiveness. There is hope. There's forgiveness whenever we ask. There's forgiveness for us if we were willing to say, Lord, I messed up. Yeah, is it serious? Yeah. But there's forgiveness for the most serious of things that happen. Aren't you grateful? If there wasn't forgiveness, I wouldn't be standing here. If there wasn't forgiveness, many of you wouldn't be here. We need that. But there are actions that we have to consider in the day that we live. The first thing is to do justice, to be able to live justly and to do things that are right. And we're to do justice by standing for the most defenseless among us, which is millions of unborn babies. There's something wrong with a society that closes its eyes to this injustice. Something is gravely wrong, even with the church that does the same type of thing. We don't want to be stuck in those in that way. We, how we choose to cry out for justice may be different for each and every one of us as individuals. People handle it in different ways, how they know they need to handle their part. And some followers of Jesus choose to uh, work at uh, Christian-based uh, crisis pregnancy centers to provide families with alternatives for help. We know some of those that do that. Those are uh, some creative ways to be able to guide people in the right pathway. And uh, so we, we've, uh, uh, some have chosen to take an active role. Some do the picketing thing. Others take civil action. There's different things that people do, and they have to do that according to where their conscience is. And, uh, and we, uh, some consider picketing a, a counterproductive measure, but, but people do the things they feel like they need to do in our society, a free society that allows us to, for freedom of speech. And, and Christians should not fight fire with fire, though. Jesus didn't fight fire with fire, did he? And he didn't teach us to do that. Jesus was plain that you should love those who don't agree with you. We know that can be some of the hardest things to deal with, right? When somebody else doesn't agree with you and, and you have to say, oh, I still have to love that person. It may not be this subject. It may be something else. But that, that is the, just part of living. And, and, and it also reminds us just because we love someone who doesn't agree with us, it does not mean that we're condoning or accepting their misguided belief. That's something we must remember. See, 
If you look back in the New Testament and you see how Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the times, they really pushed him because he would sit down and he would eat with what they called sinners. And they, he would sit down and he would eat with them. And they're like, how could you be doing that? Basically, probably in their mind, they're thinking you're condoning them. You're accepting everything you're doing. And Jesus is teaching them by doing what he's doing. He said, no, <laughs> it's not what I'm doing. And even Jesus gets to one lady and he's, uh, they were going to try to stone her. And he's like, wait, guys, you who have, uh, uh, you have uh, not sinned, cast the first stone. And so, uh, so nobody does that. And then he, what does he say to this lady who really messed up? He says, go and sin no more. So he didn't condone what had happened. He tried to help her and push her towards the right direction. Uh, and so, but what, what does is, what is, uh, the, the church do? Uh, what, what does doing justice mean for us and the church in today that we're living? Because it's in an, in an unusual time. See, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, the church as a whole must be willing to take on the issues beyond the preservation of life and give attention to issues affecting the mother and her child's trajectory of life after birth. The church has an unprecedented opportunity to demonstrate compassion rather than merely being an echo of political rhetoric. Because there's a lot of political rhetoric out there. There always has been and always will. Nowadays, it's crazy. Uh, but, but the church must, be also, uh, uh, must also realize that the, the term pro-life will no longer mean anti-abortion. Things are going to get changed up if this changes, probably. Some already get this. Some understand that, but, but two expressions will be, those two expressions are probably going to be ripped apart if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So women will need the church more than ever to support them as they walk through unplanned pregnancies, subsequently unplanned parenthood. Are we at that place? I don't know. I know that uh, we're, we're, we're working towards seeing that in the Assemblies of God and other organizations as well, but... We need to love, we need to show love and kindness towards people. We, we should find alternatives and care for those who choose to bring these unborn babies into the world. We cannot be those who uh, simply curse the darkness. If all we do is, uh, is to morally and prophetically denounce abortion, then we haven't really done enough. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't do that. That's part of our obligation as followers of Jesus uh, but, but on top of that, there has to be more than simply that. Those who have uh, crisis pregnancies have, have some serious needs, and we have to be willing to help them in some ways that we can. It may, for some, it may mean, it may mean help and counseling or housing or doctor's bills or, uh, and um, just have to walk through those things and to show the love of Jesus to those who are hurting. They're looking for an alternative. To abortion. The fact is that every child really is a wanted child. Every child's a wanted child. And if a, if a natural mother is unable to handle that child and show care uh, to that baby that, that that baby needs, there, there are others out there longing to adopt. It's not an easy road, but they're there. They're there to be because they know they value life. They want the child, and we have to make sure that there are ways to bring them together. Now, this thing is coming down the path. But I want to mention to you, in the last year, 
of the Assemblies of God actually is, is actually one of the, uh, uh, really a pioneer in this area of what they're doing. This last year, before this is coming out, uh, the Assemblies of God established what they call AG Foster Network. AG Foster Network uh, is too. You can look it up. You can check that out, information out. You can pull it up online. Uh, but to, to, uh, to it, they've brought it together to bring together many existing Assembly of God ministries to foster families. We've had some here before. Even we had the Geesmans here, and, and, and they shared about fostering and, and doing training and different things to try to be able to help as well. In fact. Uh, and the AG Foster Care Network, now Royal Family Kids, which actually has a new name for, for the children, uh, they're actually part of that network now. Uh, and so the, the national leader is their part of that network. And, uh, and the inaugural AG Foster Care Conference will take place in Dallas in October of this year. So the first one is fixing to happen this year. Some different things are putting together to try to be ready to deal with the needs that are at hand and to try to help people. In fact, we have Compact Family Services, which is also based out of Missouri. It's, it's there as well with, uh, with the Assemblies of God. It, it provides resources, services, training to both individuals and churches uh, and uh, on the issue of foster care, adoption, and single parenting. Uh, women facing unplanned pregnancies and other issues related to restoration of the family. So there's some, several components out there that we have as a body and an organization as well. And then, then another organization that's come out of this is, is also the AG Ministry Backyard Orphans. They're based out of Midlothian, Texas, just, uh, south, south of Dallas. Uh, and they have a, t a team of 12 members involved in training church leaders about caring for children who need healing homes. And I know there's, there's many in this congregation, those in this congregation who have helped, who have served at Royal Family Kids Camp and, and have ministered there. For others who have uh, adopted and received kids into their, their family as well. And even in the last church I was at in California, we had uh, several families who did that. And, and, uh, but they received these children, they're not their own, so that those kids can have the opportunity to enjoy life. They took that chance a godly chance to be able to give somebody hope and a future. We're living in a society that's closed its eyes to a major issue of inhumanity. But with recent considerations by the Supreme Court, it, it may be bringing a major shift to how things happen in the law of the land. And even Kansas citizens have a, res have a responsibility to consider a vote later on this year. I can't, I'm not telling you how to vote. I think, I think for you as a follower of Jesus, you kind of know which way you need to do that, and you need to be aware of what's happening and uh, listen to what they're saying. And so many people talk about their rights, but what about the right of the unborn child? I don't know that I can even fathom or understand that. They, they can't speak for themselves. Who will, who will stand for that child? Who will stand for them? Will you stand for them? I think it's something that we need to be aware of. And remember, human life is the pinnacle of God's creation. It is. And I know that this is not a rah-rah sermon. 
But I think it's one of those things that we must be aware of as followers of Jesus. We need to be aware of, and we need to be praying, and we need to say, God, is there something that you would like me to do in this as well? Of all, all of the life that God created, of all the things that God formed, he formed some pretty cool things too, didn't he? Have you, have you looked out there? Have you seen some of the cool things that God has made in this world? He's made some pretty cool things, but out of all of that, human life is a, com- is a climax. As much as we love our pets, it's not our pets. Human life is the climax. You may be a person who's went through one of these terrible uh, procedures yourself. Or you may have been that secondary party uh, who encouraged it. Or you, you may have not had a choice in the matter. Sometimes people don't understand that even men that are part of that situation, they walk through grief and they're usually ignored. I don't know if you realize that. There's two sides to all of that. But what we have to recognize is there's healing that the Lord can bring in our lives when we look to Him and we surrender ourselves to Him and allow Him to work in us. There is grief that comes with that kind of loss, but there's also forgiveness. This morning I want to pray, but if, if you've walked through that and you say, hey, I need God's help, I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you have other needs. We want to pray for you as well. That's fine. But maybe you've walked through that and you say, Lord, I need your healing. I need your hope again. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray this morning? Father, I pray for those in this place and, and those online that may have walked through this for themselves. Maybe it was their child. Maybe it was a grandchild. Maybe it was a nephew or a niece. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bring healing. Father, whether it was their decision or not their decision, I pray that you would bring healing and restore. And Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to be able to recognize how we can play a part in your kingdom to be able to minister to the lives of people so that they would recognize not that we would be mean or overbearing but that we would be gentle and kind Jesus that's the way you were you were gentle to people you helped them help us to be the type of people who are willing to recognize the state of the world that we're in and also the love that you have for people Help us to be the kind of people who can love others and point others towards Christ. Help us to be the kind of people that though we may go through a lot because of what we, uh, the decisions we've made, Father God, I, I thank you that you will help us to be able to push forward as we trust you. Father, thank you that you're with us. Father, I thank you, Lord, because you make provision. And I pray that you would just do your work in each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.